0: You're listening to Health Call Live, your regular Saturday morning appointment with health care professionals, where treatment is always painless and there's never a copay. Here's your host, health and wellness correspondent Lee Kelso. So we are all concerned with the nagging question of how long we're likely to live. A number of ways you can look at that. Life insurance companies do it all the time. They study huge amounts of data, and they publish these online calculators that look at basic criteria that make an estimate of how long you're likely to live. They need it for their business model, right? Well, if you Google longevity calculator, you're going to find a variety of websites that allow you to put in your age your height your weight whether you smoke and some other factors and they'll spit out an expectation based on those actuarial tables that accumulation of mountains of data that the insurance companies have compiled over the years so i did that on a couple of sites and they were fairly consistent they said based on what they know about me i could live to be age 94 And be in good health up to age ninety two. Well, of course I like the sound of that, but there are a lot of other ways that you can stare into the future. I found one of them in a British Journal of Medicine study, which looked at a group of about three thousand men and women, beginning at age fifty three. They tracked to see how long each of them would live and whether there was a correlation to how well they could perform some simple physical tests, and whether that could be a hint as to what their longevity might be. So, these tests really were pretty simple. They, they sent nurses into the homes of these people and had them check their grip strength using a specific monitor. They, they took how long it was going to take a person to sit in a chair and then stand up. So rising from a chair and sitting back down, do that 10 times in a row. How long did that take without stopping? The third test was their ability to balance themselves on one leg. And believe it or not, out of those three, the one that proved to be the best indicator of a person's potential longevity was how long they could stand on one leg without losing their balance. They went back to these people years later and found that those who could not stand on one leg for an estimated amount of time that they had in the charts died prematurely. So it's kind of a fun thing to do, and here's, here's how it works. So you put your hands on your hips and stand on one leg, and you just see how long you last. Your test is over. You failed when you shift your planted foot Or, you put your other foot down on the ground to create your balance. So, you do this three times. Then, repeat this test with your eyes closed. And it's amazing how quickly you start to fall over once you close your eyes. So, the goals here had uh, the, the survey set out some specific timelines. So, if you're age 50 to 59, you should be able to stand with your eyes open on one leg for 41 seconds but only eight seconds with your eyes closed. At age 60 to 69, 32 seconds with your eyes open, four seconds with your eyes closed. And if you're 70 to 79, it's 22 seconds, three seconds with your eyes closed. Now, I I know those are a lot of numbers I just threw at you. I've got a link to this up on the Health Call Facebook page if you want to go back and track this later. So, does it really matter all that much? Well, heck yes, it does. They found after the grip strength and all that stuff, measuring their stand up, sit down time, the the standing on one leg was what mattered the most. They returned 13 years later and tested all these people, who now were, you know, at 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 age 66, and they found that out of all these tests, the one-legged test indeed was the most important. The individuals who lasted less than two seconds were three times more likely to have died by those who could hold it for 10 seconds or more. Now, think about that. Just that one test was so important. Well, why is that? Well, they think it's because that idea of maintaining your balance with your eyes closed is just so taxing on your body and your brain. Your brain normally uses three different types of information to keep you upright, right? Your eyes give you that, that visual sense of where the horizon is to help you maintain balance, your vestibular system, which is you know your inner ear, and what's called proprioceptors. So those are the little nerve endings in your limbs that send signals back to your brain to tell you what's going on and how your body should adjust. So when you remove your eyesight, the brain has to work so much harder to keep you steady. So... Is this a gold standard for exactly how long you're going to live or whether you're likely to face early death? Well, no, clearly not. But it's some kind of fun little test that you can do at home. And it also proves a point that physical ability overall is important, because that is an indicator at age 50, of your physical capabilities are a clear indicator as to how long you might live. And there is a movement underway now to get physicians to be more directly engaged in that. And talking with patients and testing them a little more closely, let's do something simple and rely less on the technology, and and let's do some real simple things. Let's measure what is your physical capability at age 50 and track that as you go forward. They're also urging doctors to have more conversation with patients about the importance of all of that, the importance of maintaining your physical health. And it's not just on how long you're going to live, but how long you're going to live well. There are new studies that show, when you study brain tissue, those people who exercise a great deal have a different type of neurotoxicity pattern, that there are presynaptic proteins, proteins that are formed in your brain when you exercise that help maintain the ability of your brain to exchange information between all the neurons and all the different functions your brain has to perform. And they know now that when you are exercising, it actually remodels how your brain works. It affects the size of your hippocampus, some other elements there. And all of that, they say... Is it just a general indicator that how we moved out of the, of the early life when we were so active, and now we're kind of inactive? Going back several generations, you were busy on the farm and working. All of that was great for your body, but it was also very important for your mind and your brain. So there you go. Some some studies that show yes, physical activity, and even as early as middle age is going to set the path for where you're going in life and how well you're going to age. And that simple little test of being able to stand on one leg with your eyes closed can be such an important indicator as to how long you might live. So, again, if you want to check out some of the more statistically-based things, you can just Google Longevity Calculator, and you'll find many of them online. And most of them you can use totally anonymously. You don't have to enter your name or any of that kind of information. But it'll give you some rough guideline as to what you can expect, at least as far as the insurance companies are looking at it and how they've based their decisions. thought that was all pretty interesting. wanted to share that little, the little uh, do-at-home test. And uh, don't hurt yourself if you're trying it at home. Uh, if, if, uh, if you can't quite stand there for those two, four, six seconds as based on your age, well, it might be time to get off the couch a little more and take a walk. Or, as Dr. Wesley Westcott says, might be time to get into the gym and get into some strength training. He says if you're over 50... Lifting weights and some resistance exercise is the single most important thing you can do, not only to fight fat, but also to help you feel so much better. So we're going to take a closer look at that, and we're going to hear from Dr. Wesley Westcott when we continue here on the Health Call Live Radio Hour on WoWo. Welcome back to Health Call Live. If you've got a question, you don't have to give blood to get the answer. Just call us at 447-1190. And the phones are open. Uh, we're going to jump out here to Dr. Wesley Westcott in a moment. But if there's something on your mind, something you've got a question about that we've covered in the program or that you would like to have us cover in the program, you can always give us a call at 447 1190 800 333 1190. Or we're also keeping an eye on the text line here at 46862. You know, I've never really been much of an athlete. I've read all the data about how exercise is important for good health. But really, it wasn't until about age 50 that that I started to take it a bit more seriously. I'm now 64 and even though I've focused on exercise a little bit more over the years, it really wasn't until I connected with Dr. Wayne Westcott uh, that I really could learned a little bit more about why it's so important as we all get older. He's PhD and the author of several different books on just how important it is to build muscle after age 50. Why age 50? Well, There's something about what happens at about age 50 that makes it so hard to lose weight as we get older. So that's where I started. Hey, Dr. Westcott, why is it so hard to lose weight as you get older?
1: That's a very good question, and most people do not realize the answer to that because as they get older, typically, at least during the midlife years, they add weight. They're, they're gaining weight as they age, so they don't realize that they're losing something. They're losing a lot of good somethings. The main thing they're losing is muscle. It doesn't matter what type of aerobic exercise you do, and I'm an aerobic person, believe me, but that doesn't maintain your muscle. To maintain your muscle, you have to do some type of resistance exercise. If you're not doing that, during the midlife years, we average about a five pound muscle loss for women and about a seven pound muscle loss per men. And that's on a decade by decade basis. Once men and women hit 50 or menopause age, they almost double that to about 10 pounds per decade of muscle loss. That muscle loss results also in bone loss. They go hand in hand. You can't separate them. And it also always produces a reduction in your resting metabolic rate, which is the number of calories you burn per day at rest. And so, Since most of us are not active, too active during the day, we're in offices like I am at my office. um, That really adds up in terms of gaining fat at, which leads to a variety of, um, you know, physiological issues associated with aging. Yeah, I get
0: that. So muscle is important because not not just for the strength and how you look, it's important because it
1: burns more calories. Sure does. Yes, um, people who do not strength train, they could be walking or doing other activity. If they're not strength training, every pound of skeletal muscle burns approximately six calories. Calories per day at rest. Muscle is very active tissue and it's always turning over its proteins. So it is it is burning calories even when you're sleeping at night. It burns about one third of the calories you burn during our eight or nine hours of sleep at night. However If you strength train, because of the breakdown and remodeling or rebuilding processes that take place, plus adding more muscle, um, every pound of muscle, including the extra muscle, burns nine calories per day, 50% greater muscle metabolism. Now, that's not your total metabolism, but after a good strength training workout, even a very brief strength training workout, your resting metabolic rate increases between 5 and 10%, not just for an hour, but for three full days after your workout depending on the quality and the quantity of your of your training. So muscle does have a lot to do with preventing fat gain.
0: So the gift that keeps on giving—that's that's interesting. So uh, strength training—you're scaring me here. Does that mean lifting weights? Am I going to be sore all the time? Let's let, talk me through that. That sounds kind of scary. If I haven't exercised, that sounds kind
1: of scary. You know, it, it, it really isn't because with strength training, and you certainly could use weights. You could use dumbbells or barbells. You could use machines like muscle machines or other type of uh, of resistance uh, equipment. You could use resistance. Bands, the elastic bands. You could use body weight, and most people recommend body weight, but that's the worst choice if you're not an exercise already, because your body weight is typically too heavy um, to use productively without getting injured, and it doesn't vary. You know, your body weight pretty much stays the same. So with weights or bands um, or with other things, even medicine balls could be used, but when you're using external resistance, you can make it very, very light and then gradually progress as you become stronger so you do not have to get injured. I, you know, We've been running a fitness center here for, for 13 years. I can't think of one injury that we've had with the thousands of people who have gone through our fitness center on a daily basis. If you if you train sensibly, strength training is one of the, the safest activities uh, and most productive that you can actually do.
0: Okay, in a moment, we're, I'm going to ask you to walk me through some exercises that uh, I can do at home and uh, to get me started down this path. But let's talk about women and st- strength training. What makes strength training so important for women who are past age 50?
1: Women tend to lose muscle at a very accelerated rate after menopause, after they lose the estrogen. Uh, Change number one that's very obvious is they, they stop putting fat on the normal areas that are um, you know more prone to increasing in fat during the midlife years, which would be the hip and the thighs. Women typically have the pear shape, but once they hit menopause, boy, the extra fat goes right to the midsection, right to the belly area, just as it does in men, and they lose a lot of their protection from heart disease and stroke and other things of that nature. I am I'm not really sure why that is, but I can tell you it is. Uh, so women, uh, women over age 60, in numerous studies are on average losing about a pound of muscle every. Year of life, and by that point they've already lost quite a bit. So it's imperative for them if they want to maintain a healthy lifestyle and an active lifestyle to do some type of resistance training. So in
0: guys, are, are kind of just the same situation. You tend to gain weight in the midsection. The most dangerous form of fat in your body, I am told, is that intra-abdominal fat. So fat that is on the inside of your abdominal wall, surrounding your abdominal organs. It's very hormonally active. It contributes to diabetes and other issues. Yes. Is, is, and, and strength training gets, uh, attacks that fat? Does it do that more effectively than aerobic training? You know, I, I don't want to
1: sound like, like I, I only have positive things to say about strength training that's better than everything else. But in this case, it is. In several studies, With uh, most studies are with older men and older women both, and there are several by several researchers, it is shown to be highly effective and, in fact, the most effective means for reducing intra-abdominal fat or vicemin. as you said that type of fat is very metabolically active and it produces a lot of um a lot of hormones that can be good in in one way but if they it's uh increase too much like cortisol they can be very negative so yes strength training is the best way i will say that uh definitively to reduce intra-abdominal fat along with other things it's not the only thing you should do like eating properly and uh, aerobic activity is very important but uh, it does seem to hit that area specifically
0: So there you go, Dr. Wayne Westcott saying that, yeah, strength training means a lot. It makes a big difference. And, you know, it's something that isn't that difficult to do. Uh, I have another section of the interview with Dr. Westcott up on the Health Call website. If you go to healthcall.live, you'll see more of the interview there. And basically, he walks us through some things that you can do at home to get started. And he recommends that you don't have to get yourself into a sweat in order to be effective. in fact, even a little bit of exercise is very important, and that is backed up by another study, which took a look at over 400,000 adults, and they found that if you can get yourself to 20 minutes of just moderate exercise over your over the day, you're not only going to feel better, but you will live longer. You your chances of early death from all causes drops significantly if you get active. And the study says that it really doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you want to be walking, Uh, Hiking, swimming, it doesn't matter. Any kind of activity at any age starts you down the road to a longer and healthier life. So the recommendation is, if you're one of those folks who just hasn't really ever exercised, make it a goal to do something for five minutes a day. And they say one of the most important things you can do is, and you're going to hate this, but squats. And a technique that Dr. Westcott talked about and is backed up by this study is grab the edge of a kitchen counter or a sturdy table and just use that as a brace while you go down into a squat and then stand back up again. And do that several times in a row. And if you can do it for up to five minutes, great. If not, do as much as you can. But that single exercise does more to improve your core strength, your lower body strength. It addresses balance. It gives you some cardio input. And so Dr. Westcott says that one simple exercise can be a very important way to get started if you've never done anything. So grab a kitchen counter or a good sturdy table and squat a few times every day, and it gets you started. And he says he sees this in folks who are over age 70 all the time. Once you convince yourself that you can do more, you will do more. Your body wants to do more. He suggests also those bodyweight exercises at home. So a push-up is another good exercise to use, he says, for upper body strength development. But many of us can't do a full push-up. It's too much weight to get started with. So once again, that kitchen counter can be a real important element in helping you get started lean against the kitchen counter and do your push-ups there. That, he says, limits the amount of weight that you have to move and encourages you to find more success. So that kitchen counter with a squat, with a modified push-up, a great way to get started and five minutes a day of some type of activity will get you started and actually increase your lifespan. So that's pretty great news and just wanted to share that with you. I know it's tough when there's so much snow and cold and you just don't feel like getting outside at all, but really, a little bit of activity can go a long way, and I hope that that will get you started. also hope that you'll check us out online. Again, you can check out the Health Call Facebook page. And that's where you'll find links to the studies that we've mentioned today. And the Health Call website is at healthcall.live. That's healthcall.live. Video versions of many of the segments we do on the program can be found there. And, of course, you can also check us out on the podcast. Just use any one of the major services and search Health Call Live, and you'll find our podcasts. And I appreciate you being with us this morning, as you are every Saturday morning at 9 for the Health Call Live radio here on WoWo. And we'll see you next week you've been listening to health call live watch a recording of today's program on the health call facebook page or on the web at www.healthcall.live drop us a line to recommend a guest or suggest a topic for a future broadcast join us next saturday at 9 a.m for another edition of health call live on WoWO 1190 a.m and 107.5 fm